to From the Stairs, your one-stop shop podcast for insider access and in-depth interviews with your favorite Billiken coaches and players. Be sure to follow the show on Twitter at Billiken Podcast for the latest news on future episodes. Now, here is your host, Billiken Athletic Director, Chris May. Welcome, Billiken fans, to From the Stands here with Chris May, I'm the Athletic Director of St. Louis University. We have an unbelievable conversation today for our podcast with the Commissioner of the Atlantic 10, Bernadette McGlade. It is an unbelievable pleasure to sit down with the Commissioner of the Atlantic 10, Bernadette McGlade. Uh, for those of you that have been fortunate enough to meet Bernie, it uh, she has really moved our conference to a level that it's never been and it's been an awesome experience to work with the commissioner and i think it'd be really interesting to our fans to really better understand a little bit your journey all the way from the student athlete playing on the court to coaching to going to the dark side going into the the uh, administrative work at georgia tech you go to the acc office and now running one of the top conferences in the country. So share with us what those big steps were as you look back now, those big steps for you that really developed you and developed your your take on the business and how you want to operate until where you are today. Well, Chris, I'm glad you started with a really easy yeah, question. You know, you know? It's a softball. Yeah, threw me a softball pitch. But <laughs> be- before I answer the question, I just want to say it's, you know, it's a thrill to be here. It's great to be here in St. Louis. Um, certainly, the T and the Billigans are looking awful good this year. Um, you know, your preseason number one ranking, and as we know, that's, you know, all show in the preseason. But your team and you know, Coach Ford, they're really showing that they deserve that early, all the early national accolades uh, that you've been receiving. So I'm excited. Excited to be here in person, excited to see the game tonight. Um, to, to get back to your question a little bit, I was really fortunate. I grew up, a lot of people don't know, I grew up in a large family, 10 children. Um, we played sports, we played basketball in the backyard, had a really great environment, a lot of support in, in my hometown of Gloucester, New Jersey, and um, had the good fortune to be one of the early Title IX recipients of a scholarship to the University of North Carolina. So I had um, just a, a blast there, great career. Career, earned my undergraduate and master's degree, and then was fortunate um, somehow, some way, was hired at the age of 23 to coach at Georgia Tech, and I was uh, one of the youngest Division One women's basketball head coaches in the country. Um, and and that journey was really unique. I have to give all the credit not only to the support of my family, but but also I had a great players at that time. But Homer Rice, who was the athletic director that hired me, and he's you know a legend, a legend in in the business, and. You know, he was with the Bengals, and and he was the AD at University of North Carolina. Ironically, um, we never crossed paths at North Carolina. I never met Homer Rice until he interviewed me at Georgia Tech. So that was a lot of fun. I coached there for seven years, and then Atlanta was in the process of bidding for the 96 Olympic Games. So I was involved with ACOG, which was the Atlanta Committee for the Olympic Games. And when Atlanta was awarded the bid, um, I put a proposal in front of uh, Dr. Rice for to take, in, in essence, a job swap and to run point on the strategic plan, actually write the strategic plan for Georgia Tech Athletics. We had five different venues for the 96 Olympic Games, and we had to relocate 
our entire athletic program, which included our football program, which was no small feat. Um, and and that was just a, a real thrill. And then after the Olympics were over, had the opportunity to um, get back into overseeing all of the, the sports at Georgia Tech, from uh, football to all of our Olympic sports. And then um, John Swafford um, reached out to me and um, offered me a position to come into the ACC. The ACC was known nationally for its men's basketball tradition and success. And essentially in um, 1997, he wanted to create a similar position in the conference office for women's basketball. So I took the took the move at that point. I'd been 17 years in Atlanta at Tech, went to the ACC again. Um, um, uh, John Swafford, the commissioner there, Fred Bearcat, um, who has since passed on. A lot of great people. I, I think the key to success in anybody's career, and you probably know this, Chris, is people. People that you work with and the people that you have the opportunity to learn from and grow with and, and give back to an organization. So um, the time at the ACC was, again, fabulous, 11 years. And then, again, good fortune came knocking on my door when the Atlantic 10 commissioner job came open. Um, and um, uh, the search firm that was running that reached out to me and it was an intimidating opportunity I'll be honest with you because I had a really fabulous job with a lot of national recognition um, very safe environment comfortable and the A-10 was a really challenging opportunity and um, you know with a lot of good advice from people that I consider mentors uh, made the decision to uh, take the job and you know I'm now in 11 years and again I would say the key to success has been the fabulous, you know, presidents at all the schools, the athletic directors, and I'm not just saying that because I'm sitting here talking to you, but you have to have people that are willing to take risk, and the A-10 was really willing to take risk over the last 11 years, and we've had a lot of success. You know, I, I think you couldn't be more right. At the end of the day, it is all about people, right? Mm-hmm. The people you you lock arms with and you want to go make something happen with. And that's what's exciting about our business is when, you know, whether you're on a campus like we are and I get to work with Travis Ford and Lisa Stone and all our great coaches and the people around here and Dr. Pastello and Dr. Shapitz and all these people. And then... Or you go to the conference office and, and you get to and you're on the national stage and how do you how do you take the A ten and what I've been most encouraged by, and you and I have talked about it, is when you took the risk and helped us take the risk. Because let's face it, a bunch of university presidents and ADs aren't the greatest risk takers <laughs> as it relates to conference offices, <laughs> right, correct? Right. So when when we move the conference office and we move the basketball tournament to the Barclays Center, it sent this message. And at the same time, our exposure blew up, right? I mean, the new TV yep. deals. And so our exposure's never been better. Our, uh, our competitiveness and our goal to be an elite conference has never been better. And I think that has a lot to do with your pushing to take some risks. Where did you get that along your journey? Was it with Doctor, it was was with Homer. Was it with John? Who are the people that really instilled in you? Because you've got a little risk taking in you, and that's been why the A10 has moved, in my opinion. If we wouldn't have taken any risk, we'd still be sitting back where we were 10, 11 years ago. But clearly, we're in a different landscape. You've done a great job of bringing in big time experts. 
whether it's Chris Bevilacqua and the, the big time people that are at the leading edge of our business. But what was it that encouraged you or gave you the ability to say, we can roll, we can roll the dice and make it happen? Well, you know, I think a lot of it starts early. Again, I mentioned I'm from 10 and I'm number nine of 10. So if you're not a little bit of a risk taker, you're going to kind of miss out. You're going to miss out at the dinner table. (laughs) But um, putting that aside kind of jokingly. um, Yeah. Dr. Rice was really, you know, kind of my first entree to that, because when I went to the University of North Carolina, obviously a great basketball school and we had everything rolled out for us. But at Georgia Tech in 1981, Georgia Tech was probably as low as you could get on the division one totem pole in the sport of football every every single sport and and homer rice took that job and he hired myself as the women's coach bobby crimmins as the men's basketball coach puggy blackman as the golf coach jim morris as the baseball coach and we can we were all called like the young guns we there were a bunch of young technically inexperienced but individuals that had a passion and i think when you have a passion and you have a vision and i saw the vision that homer rice laid out and he basically was able to allow people to buy into that vision and when you see that collective spirit of of individuals like you see here on campus or we see now in the Atlantic 10 when I took the job at the Atlantic 10 as you know the conference was fragile right it was fragile there was a lot of diversity there was some splintering there was um, some schools and maybe people that didn't know if the A-10 could exactly be a nationally relevant basketball conference and I think you have to be able to lay out a vision and then be willing to take the risk and know that if you fail, that's not the worst thing in the world because you can always dust, your, dust yourself off, get up, and and try something else. Um, but I also go back to the fact that you know you can't take risk unless you have people that are willing to get on that bus with you or to get on that vision or that mission with you. And I think when the athletic directors and the presidents, you know, made the decision collectively to, I mean, we, we went to the Barclays arena before it was even finished construction. We were the first division one conference in that venue in Brooklyn, New York. And here we are, you know, seven years later and it's the hottest venue in America. Do you by any chance remember who cut the nets down there? Yeah, yeah, the Billigans, right? It's right there that's in my right, office. I'm right just there. and we're planning on doing it again. That's but, uh, right. And and again, that's you you can't you can't be out there by yourself on the limb taking right. the risk. You have to have other you have to have that team that everybody's willing to do a small part and then collectively the whole can really be successful and I think that's what we've experienced in the A10. We experienced it the way we renegotiated the the media rights contract. Right. You know, folks laughed. They didn't think we'd be able to get contracts with ESPN, CBS, NBC. Um, and so sometimes you got to put the blinders on, um, don't listen to all the naysayers, and, you know, just stay focused on what it is you know the goals are if they're for the good of the whole. Yeah, I think uh, I, I think it's no different than us here at St. Louis. Mm-hmm. I mean, the A-10 was a risk. And it has been an unbelievably good marriage for us because it put us on the national, in, in the national play. And we couldn't be more proud to be there because we think we can compete at the highest level in the A-10. That's why we've got Travis Ford here. That's why we've made major investments. That's why we're getting ready to make more investments. Um, but we believe that it, it, because of people have been willing to take some risk and we've been able to move it forward, 
that's what excites us. That's what that's what fires us up to be able to compete because we want to compete with anybody in the country, and the A10 has been able to do that for us. So that's yeah. been a, it's been a great platform for us. And you know, it was exciting. I mentioned to you as soon as I walked in. I watched your opening game on yeah. on TV on was it Sunday, yeah. and the your your fans are believing in you. They're fired up. They are fired up. The yeah. arena looked fabulous. Yeah. It was a capacity crowd. Yeah. I'm watching it from my living room, and I felt the electricity. Yeah. And it was exciting knowing that in two more days I was going to be here. Yeah. And even today, coming into you know the parking lot, the you know the tractor trailers of CBS and the TV trucks out there and the satellites out there, you know they are opportunities for the institution, you know, to be on a national platform. And you know, in an hour and a half, you're going to be in you know 70 million homes in America, and you just can't get that every day. And that's where the A10 national, I think, focus on. Being a basketball-relevant conference has really served us well. And, and, and I think from a campus perspective, like I shared with you, we're honoring the Singfelds tonight. And right. they made a monumental commitment to St. Louis University. And there's no better way than the platform of intercollegiate athletics to recognize and thank people. And so that's why that's one of the big benefits to to being on CBS College National is how we sell what the university does. There's so many great things happening on all campuses in the Atlantic 10. Right. And we couldn't be more proud of what's happening here. Yeah. And when we can help the university promote the great things happening, then we're doing we're doing our share. Absolutely. And I think, you know, you've really, you know, focused and had a vision for your student athletes. I've seen it. I've seen it from your tennis athletes as well as your basketball of this of gratitude right. and what you're doing tonight for a significant benefactor. And as you know, we need these individuals to be able to sustain the good work that we're doing academically and athletically. And oftentimes for individuals that have so much to the outside, a thank you and appreciation like you're getting ready to show tonight is is worth more than what money can buy. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And that and that's those are those little things that we've got to be mm-hmm. good at. That's what we can do. It, it help. We have the platform to do it. And uh, so that's one of the great opportunities. So the exactly. last question. Here we are in 2019. You've seen a few things change in the business. Mm. You are at the ultimate highest level, especially you're on the men's basketball committee. And so you are at the forefront of what's happening in the industry. Where do you see it today? And more importantly, when you look three, five, seven years forward, where do you see this going? You, you've seen it move from your Carolina days to your Georgia Tech days to now. But where do you see it as you look, as you look forward? Where do you see this business going? That That's really a fabulous question. I mean, and there's, as you know, there's so much going on nationally right now. I think that, you know, what's going on at the in higher education has really is going to impact um, intercollegiate athletics, especially when we talk about distance learning and, you know, learning that maybe is no longer in a traditional classroom. And how does that interface with teams and eligibilities and student athletes? But then you take some other crazy pictures. I mean, I was on the media negotiating committee back in 2000 when the men's basketball championship was signed for 30 million and we thought that was like unbelievable dollars and now it's a billion dollar enterprise Mm. a billion dollar enterprise and and the the finances have just 
you know, they just continue to compound at astronomical levels. And I think being able to compete and, and stay up with the Joneses is really critically important, which goes back to having benefactors that help fund your program. But I think we also have to keep a keen eye. We know that we have a lot going on in the courts right now. I mean, sports wagering and how that's going to impact every campus and every amateur athletic program in the country is going to be very interesting to see um, with um, the new laws that are they're now basically unencumbered and sports gambling can occur. Um, I think some of the cases with, you know, the Austin case of, you know, if all limits are removed from intercollegiate athletic scholarships, then, you know, there's going to be a very tenuous point in time of whether or not there is even a further divide with the conferences that have, you know, the Power Five conferences with football that can be eligible and generate revenues through the CFP versus conferences like the A-10 that are basketball-centric and rely on the men's NCAA basketball championship. Um, And I think also... You know, in terms of, you know, addressing all of our needs for our student athletes, Um, you know, there's it's it's a new it's a new day for student athletes. When you talk about the stress and the the mental, you know, illnesses, sometimes capacity or mental wellness, as well as their physical well-being and their academic well-being, um, the traditional family unit is not necessarily as it was 30 years ago. And so I think you you're on the the first line being athletic director on campus as a commissioner we're kind of one step removed but every single day you're facing those issues with whether it's your health services or your dean of students or your academic support and your safety and student you know liability with concussions and you know long-range things that that just simply weren't you know as a parent 20 years ago so you know but at the end of the day i do think you know intercollegiate athletics are you know sports we're at we're at especially in the sport of men's basketball and and women's basketball we're at a great place right now the opportunities when you think of our families and student athletes earning full scholarships to this fabulous institution and what they get not only beyond their education but your support and the travel and the education and the academic support the nutritional benefits it's really phenomenal i look back and i want to be a student athlete again um, and I know you've got one of your daughters right. who's a student athlete right. and really benefiting from it. So, yeah, I think it's um, it is a changing world. We know that, but I also think it's it's a good space. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I want to thank you. I, I believe there's never been a better time to be a student athlete. And what we're able to provide for young men and women that go to college today, it's never been this good. Yeah, and, and I, I believe as it continues to move forward, it's only going to get better. I, I, I personally don't believe that the sky is falling. I believe it's so good and it's just going to continue to get better. And that's, and that's as, as you mentioned, when you've got great support on campus, mm-hmm. whether it's Dr. Pastello, who's been off the charts, our chairman of the board, Conran, um, to our benefactors. When you have a whole team of people who are so committed to the students on your campus, it makes it a really, really great great experience so we want to thank you for being here and especially thank you for your partnership you've helped us immensely we are fired up about our position and we're really encouraged about the future so thanks for joining us well thank you i'm happy to be here and good luck tonight with the game although you know i have to wish everybody good luck tonight no just good luck to the billikens thank you (laughs) 
It was a great conversation to have with Commissioner McGlade. We will be having our freshman women basketball players. We've had three who have been the A-10 Rookies of the Week. We'll have our freshman women's basketball players on with us soon. Thanks for listening to From the Stands with Billiken Athletic Director Chris May. Subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes Store and have the latest episodes sent straight to your phone. Until next month, go Billikens. Thank you.